0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading.
1: Now, I want to do something a little interesting here. I want you to hold your place there in Revelation 16 and just turn back quickly to the eighth chapter of Revelation. And the reason is because we're going into the bowls of wrath. Now, do you remember that I've said uh, a number of times that there is a sequential, or I should say, a chronological progression through the tribulation period that's captured in the book of Revelation. Not all the chapters are uh, in chronological order. Not all the events within the chapters are in chronological order. But it seems to me like the three sets of seven are indeed in chronological order. We started with the seven seals, and the seven seventh seal that Jesus, the Lamb, uh, broke open, the seventh seal opened up the seven trumpets. And then the seventh trumpet that was blast is what gave place to the seven bowls. And the last chapter that we're in, uh, chapter 15, announced the seven bowls and explained uh, that these bowls were given to these seven angels and such. But now in the 16th chapter, we're going to go into uh, these bowls being poured out. Now, the reason why I wanted to come back to the 8th chapter is because there are so many interpretations of the book of Revelation, and most of them have some merit to them. And some interpretations would overlay the bowls with the trumpets, in other words, they see the seven bowls that we're about to read about as identical in time to the seven trumpets, but maybe a different look or uh, an an additional explanation to what happened in those, in other words, so that they would actually be overlaid the first with the first the first bowl with the first trumpet, the same same thing, same time period, uh, same event, I should say. And the second bowl, And the second trumpet would be the same event, and all the way through. But I just wanted to show you why I don't see that, and rather I see it the way that I've been explaining it to you, that the seventh trumpet opens up the seven bowls. And so uh, here's why. Uh, And you'll be able to see why some people speculate that or believe that strongly, uh, because there are similarities in these, but there are also dissimilarities. And so let me show you the 8th chapter of Revelation, looking at the 7th verse. And this is the first several. Let's just read through the first four of the seven trumpets. It says, The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Now that's the first angel, okay? Verse 8. The first angel and the first trumpet sound. The first trumpet. Verse 8. The second angel sounded, so this is the second trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Okay, here's the third trumpet now, verse 10. Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and... On the springs of water, the name of the stars Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Okay, one more. Uh, Verse 12. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. Okay, now let's come back over to chapter 16. And I think you'll be able to see that though there are certainly similarities, that the seven bowls are uh, much more intense and they have some uh, inclusions that are not referenced at all in the seven trumpets, which, in my opinion, make them very distinct. Uh, another distinction is that between the seven trumpets and the seven bowls is the rapture of the church, which we showed in chapter 11 at the sounding of the seventh trumpet. And also in chapter 14, we showed the actual catching away. And uh, that was discussed. So that's exciting. So it seems clear to me that the church is not on the earth when these seven bowls are poured out, that these seven bowls are now the wrath of God being poured out on the ungodly. And you're going to see just how rebellious and ungodly they are. Okay, here we go. Chapter 16, verse 1. These are the bowls. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So this is clear. The bowls of the wrath of God. You remember 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 says, For we were not appointed to wrath. So, we believers are not appointed to wrath. So, this is why at the seventh trumpet, which unleashes the seven bowls, at the seventh trumpet, the church is caught away. There's the gathering together, and I showed you that in several passages. Okay, so now, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. Verse 2, So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. You can see there with this first bowl the dissimilarity to the first trumpet. And then it goes on to say in verse 3, then the second angel poured out his bowl. Here's the second of the seven bowls on the sea. Now this shows certainly some similarities but also some dissimilarities. Notice, Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Do you remember we just read over there with the second trumpet that a third of the creatures in the sea died? And here it says, With this bowl being poured out, every creature in the sea died. Well, you can't have these two events being the same event if a third die and then all die. Well, one of the two would be true, and that's a, uh, one of quite a number of reasons why I see these as completely distinct events. However, uh, very close because the seventh angel opens up the seventh trumpet opens up these seven bowls. Okay, so uh, all of the living creatures in the sea die. Verse 4, then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. We didn't read over there with the third bowl, uh, the third, excuse me, the trumpet. We didn't read that all of the rivers became blood, but we did read about wormwood. And so Uh, And they became bitter. And and, uh, it goes on to say in verse 5, And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be. Notice it doesn't say who is to come. Because this is seen as the wrath of God being poured out. God is actively involved. In fact, that voice right at the beginning of the chapter, that loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels to go pour out the bowls, I believe that's the voice of God that's giving the command that it's time to release my wrath. After all these years, thousands of years, literally, now it's time finally to release release the wrath of the bulls, the bulls of wrath of God. So you are righteous, O Lord. It seems to me like this angel is coming right in the middle of these bulls. If anybody's reading about this, if anybody's watching this happening, and there are many who are thinking in their minds that God is being unrighteous, unfair, and such, this angel is saying, Oh no, God has been so patient. He has demonstrated such long suffering, such kindness, compassion, waiting. The Bible says, You remember in Second Peter 3 9, uh, for uh, For uh, the length of time, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. so he says, don't misinterpret the long suffering of God uh, and don't be uh, don't be disillusioned is the context of that or the concept of that. Uh, just because God's waiting, that does not mean that Jesus is not going to come and that judgment's not going to come. He's just not willing that any should perish, but he wants everybody to come to repentance. So he's waited and waited and waited and waited. And so this angel is declaring, look, these are severe punishments. This is the wrath of God being poured out against the rebellion, the arrogance, the pride of man, the, the atheistic pride I will not bow my knee to the Creator God. I will not believe. I will not repent and such. And so after all of that, and think about this. Do you remember the angel that went flying in heaven? Even at the seventh bowl, excuse me, the seventh trumpet, I mean before the wrath of God is poured out, the angel made sure that everybody in every nation, every language had a chance to repent. And so this, these bowls and this the wrath of God is only being poured out on those who would not repent, who would not repent. And so that's why this angel is declaring, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. So... All of these martyrs, all of these saints all around the world have been persecuted for all these many, many years, millennia. And God has not brought the proper judgment. And the saints have been asking, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do this? And finally, God, after giving everybody much time to repent, finally he comes to bring the ultimate judgment. Verse 7, and I heard another from the altar, saying, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Some believe that these voices from the altar are coming from the martyrs. Verse 8, then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And remember, the fourth trumpet had to do with the sun, but uh, it was the darkening of the sun. Here, It is giving power to the sun, and the sun is now scorching people with fire, with radiant heat. Verse 9, And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. You can see the hardness of heart. They still, even in the midst of the wrath of God being poured out, and they can tell there's no escape But the hardness of their hearts, the complete rebellion, they still are not repenting in the middle of the outpouring of the wrath of God. Verse 10, Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. This is the Antichrist. On the throne of the beast. And his kingdom became full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. So when it says darkness, this is not just like turning off the light in your bedroom this is such darkness this is causing pain and we don't know exactly is this emotional pain is it physical pain or is that pain referring to the other plagues that are being poured out the scorching and such but nonetheless we know this that they are in writhing pain and they're gnawing their tongue because of the pain folks you don't want to be here you want to serve god you want to live in obedience to him and Walk in the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. Verse 11, they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. Notice it's just repeatedly, uh, repeatedly saying why they're being judged because still they will not repent. Verse 12, then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. I believe, uh, unlike certain other scholars, I think many, maybe even most, would agree that this is going to be a literal war that's taking place, the the Euphrates River. And by the way, with all the modern-day dams and such, often the river Euphrates has little to no uh, water in it now. And so this very well, this prophecy that was way back at the end of the first century AD, this prophecy may very well be partially fulfilled by all these dams that have been built and such for irrigation and such to di- divert the water. But nonetheless, it seems like uh, uh, it seems like these kings of the East, It says that the way of the kings from the east, kings, so we're talking about more than one nation, the kings of the east, the Orient, you know, Asia and such, being able to come into the Holy Land. What are they coming against? They're coming against Jerusalem, they're coming against Israel. And so it says here that their way might be prepared. And I saw and noticed this that uh, this is very different than the fourth trumpet and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon that's the that's the devil satan out of the mouth of the beast that's the antichrist and out of the mouth of the false prophet so One frog or one demonic spirit coming out of the devil, coming out of the beast, coming out of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons. Boy, you can't misunderstand that, can you? For they are spirits of demons, watch this, performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. To the battle of that great day of God Almighty. So, uh, these supernatural signs that these demonic spirits do convince the kings of the world to come and to battle uh, in that great day of God Almighty. Now, why would the kings come to battle? Who are they battling against? Well, some scholars believe that they're. They're duped into coming against the beast, who is the Antichrist. In other words, you know, they're already the whole world's already serving under the uh, dominion of the Antichrist at this point. But some scholars believe that they think they're going to come and they're going to gain power, they're going to gain influence in this worldwide kingdom, and they're going to come and they're they're going to defeat uh, the powers that be on earth. But really. In effect, these spirits and the devil, of course, uh, the devil knows that uh, the Lord's coming is about to occur. And so he is gathering them to come against the second coming of the Lord. And so there are two issues. One is, what do the kings believe? Because they're being deceived by these signs and coerced into coming uh, to this battle. But what does the demonic realm, what does Satan know? And what's his purpose behind all of this? Ultimately, his purpose is against Jesus, against the coming of the Messiah. Second coming, to be clear. So, gather them to the battle of that great day. Some have said this is really should be translated a war of the great day of God Almighty, the great day. This is the big final conclusion knockout punch. Verse 15. And Jesus, right in the middle of this, notice the red letters in your Bible if you have a red letter edition. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Jesus just wants to interject here as we're reading this. And he wants to interject and say, Hey, I'm coming as a thief. Be ready. Don't be caught off guard. Don't wait and delay while I have time and such. No, he's saying, Be ready lest you be caught naked, and you be ashamed. Verse 16, and they and somebody said, what do you mean naked? Well, that could refer to a number of things, but for one, we need to put on what Isaiah says is the robe of righteousness, the free gift of righteousness that Jesus has given us, and then to walk in that robe. Verse uh, verse 16, and they gathered them to together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Armageddon, this comes from the the city of Megiddo in uh, central Israel. I've been there many times, and uh, Megiddo is a city. Of, it's been excavated. Now it's been demolished and rebuilt, and demolished and rebuilt because it's one of the major cities in Israel that, over the uh, you know millennia, has been a place of war. Way back into the Old Testament times as well, and uh, over. Uh, overlooking, when you're there at Megiddo, and uh, I've preached there many times, you're overlooking the Jezreel Valley, J-E-Z-R-E-E-L. It's the way it's usually spelled. You can look it up on the internet. It has one of the most beautiful scenes, I tell you. Uh, just a gorgeous valley. However, it has been a place over history that has been a place of war. It's, it's very flat terrain. It's the you know, it's the best place in the whole land of Israel for a major war with major armies coming together. And so it says this is the place. The, the place is called Armageddon. This is the Battle of Armageddon or the War of Armageddon, and it's in the Jezreel Valley. Verse 17, then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. Notice this one's into the air. And a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. Now you remember another declaration came at the seventh trumpet uh, saying this, a similar thing, it's done. And it seems like one is the completion of salvation for all the people of God where you know our spirits were born again. And our souls were being renewed by the word of God, but our bodies, oh, they were still tempted with sin and such. But then, when we were caught up in the rapture, you know, as Paul says in First Corinthians fifteen, the immortal put on the mortal, put on immortality; the corruptible put on incorrupt, incorruption. And so our bodies were changed into being a resurrected body. Like Jesus has. Well, that was one it's finished, sort of like the it's finished of the cross. But then there's another it's finished of the resurrection. And so here, this is another it's finished. And the first would be it's finished the salvation for us, the completion of salvation for the people of God. Here is an it's finished of the wrath of God being poured out, the seventh bowl. It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And listen to this, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. And you know there were even earthquakes in the book of Revelation, in the tribulation period, that were horrible. Uh, every island moved out of its place. Every mountain moved and such. But watch this. This is, this is the worst of all. It says, Such a mighty and great earthquake as has not occurred since men were on the earth. Now, the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nation fell. Now, what is the great city? Listen. And great Babylon was remembered and before God to give her cup to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. So it seems the great city here is Babylon. And Babylon, by the way, up in modern-day Iraq. Uh, But some believe that this is going to be rebuilt and that this is going to be the power center of the Antichrist in the last days. And so it's whether Babylon is a literal city or whether Babylon is talking about the system of this world that is controlled, that is manipulative, that is f- around money and perversity and just uh, you know empowering, equipping, funding perversity, just wickedness, deception, and such. Uh, and so many believe that Babylon is not really a literal city in the book of Revelation, but it's figurative and such, which it could be. And we're going to read about Babylon in the next couple of chapters, by the way. So it goes on to say in uh, in verse, well, let me get back to this verse 19. Now the great city was divided into three parts. Seems like that's Babylon. And the cities of the nation fell. The cities of the nation fell. Talk about a great earthquake. This demolished the cities of the world. And so you're talking about a tremendous loss of life. I mean, this is this is... You can tell this is the seventh bowl. This is bad. All the nation, all you can imagine, all the skyscrapers—they're they're demolished. Everything, the cities of the nation fell, and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of His wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. See, before in the earthquake in the tribulation, it said that. Every island was moved out of its place, and, and so were the mountains moved out of its place. But now you couldn't even find a mountain. Talk about a tremendous earthquake. We have no idea what this is like. Verse 21, And great hail fell from, uh, from heaven, fell upon, uh, fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. We're talking about a hundred pounds. A hundred pounds. Each of these hailstones. And obviously, a supernatural event here. Men blasphemed God. You would think they would just be crying out for forgiveness and repentance. But notice this. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. You can imagine, I mean, it's like seeing a, a horrific movie, but this is real. And so there are the seven bowls, the wrath of God being poured out. Thank God we believers won't be there. I'll see you tomorrow for Chapter 17.
0: Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Deerman, And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called the Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Deerman.